0: Episode 1, way back when I had no idea that Scotland was going to turn into a thing, is called Riot Act, and it covers the 1919 general strike in Glasgow, and the so-called Battle of George Square. This episode is going to go back to the early days of the movement that they call Red Clydeside, maybe give you an idea of the mindset of the time, and tell you the story of one of the incredible people who inspired it. It is March, 1915. After months of trying to outflank one another using their trench systems, the opposing armies on the Western Front have reached the sea. They have nowhere else to go. The war is becoming a stalemate, with a massive influx of volunteer troops entering the trenches and creating impenetrable barriers of men, separated by a twisted, nightmarish no-man's land pockmarked with shell holes, bodies and barbed wire. Many of the volunteers arriving on the Western Front are from Glasgow. The city has a higher rate of voluntary sign-ups for the army than any other city in Britain. Over 1,000 men signed up in just one day on the 8th of August 1914. Many of the soldiers are arriving on the front to news that British forces have gone over the top at the Battle of Neuve-Chapelle, and won a victory against the Germans, they're probably less aware of the casualties. Around 13,000 British and Indian soldiers died in that battle, which set the precedent for the offensive grind which was to follow. The volunteers have left their homes, their families, their jobs, to fight for their country. As they huddle against the shredding shrapnel, which tears through the air and the bodies around them, they might be thinking of those homes, families, jobs. Many have come here, not because they see the war as a ripping good time, but because joining the army gives them prospects for the future. By 1915, around 13% of the British forces are Scottish. Army service pays better than most of the jobs available at home, and the housing conditions are getting worse for everyone. Industry declining and it's not showing many signs of getting better. This might be better. It might be better. You just have to live through it. From Be Quiet Media, this is Scotland. A show about history and where we made it. I'm Michael Park. As soldiers stood in the freshly dug trenches thinking about home, Home was becoming almost unrecognisable. The wartime industries were in full flow, and people were moving to Scotland's industrial centres and their droves to take up jobs to help the war effort. In Glasgow, 100,000 people were employed in shipbuilding on the Clyde. 20,000 worked at the massive Parkhead Forge, the biggest steelworks in Scotland. This massive influx of people caused problems. There were so many, and nowhere to put them. These people who had come to Glasgow with the intention of helping the war effort and, of course, improving their own job prospects, were causing housing crisis. But the idea that everyone in the war was doing their bit, caught up in patriotic fervour, is a flat-out lie. In every situation, no matter how bad it is, there will always be people on hand looking to take advantage. People who look to exploit others living in abject conditions. War profiteering happens in every single walk of life, but it was especially prevalent in housing. Unscrupulous landlords, citing the overwhelming demand for housing, began to hike rents to the point that ordinary working people couldn't come close to affording them. They viewed the working women, the mothers of Glasgow, with contempt. Easy marks who, if they couldn't pay, could simply be evicted. But these slumlords forgot the most important rule. The one that every Glaswegian knows in their bones. You don't mess with a Glasgow Maw. Please make sure to subscribe and leave us a wee rating and review on your podcast app of choice. Not only does it stroke our delicate, fragile egos, it really helps other people find the show. And the more people who find the show, the more our delicate, fragile egos are stroked. You're all brilliant. Thank you so much for listening. Now back to the show. Many of the landlords and factors thought that they were onto a winner. War was good for business. And since good business is all about satisfying demand with supply, they believed the offering poor quality... Overcrowded, unhygienic accommodation was perfectly acceptable. Why repair things that people are willing to pay a premium for? Why? Because you might incur the wrath of the Glasgow Women's Housing Association. That's why. It was set up to bring women of all political parties into the agitation and drive for better housing in Glasgow. It might even mean that you incurred the wrath of Mary Barber. Landlords were evicting people from their homes left, right and centre, and the leading woman in govern, quite frankly, had had enough. She began to mobilise the people of the area into an effective deterrent. Initially, they protested by returning their rent checks, but the inflated rates scored out and the original rent filled in. The landlords would then send back the check demanding that their rent must be paid in full or they would be forcibly evicted. Mrs. Barber's army told them they were welcome to try. The Glasgow rent strikes had begun. Mary organised committees and organisations and the people mobilised, refusing to pay the increased rents. They would put signs in their window warning landlords and factors to back off. Rent strike! We are not removing. Sheriff officers entering a street with the intention of serving an eviction notice would be welcomed by the sound of a bell, rung by one of the women who had waited behind for the day. This signal would alert those going about their work or their daily business to stop what they were doing, and return to the street to defend the homes they worked so hard to keep. The bailiffs would find themselves being pelted by flower bombs, or whatever else they could get their hands on, They weren't above pulling their trousers down to humiliate them. In one instance, when Mary Barber found out that a factor had lied to a tenant to get her to pay the higher rent, she walked into the local shipyard and convinced the men to come out and stand in front of the office while she took the tenant to get her money back. They did. The factor, faced by hundreds of men standing in his street, folded like a deck chair in a hurricane, By November 1915, 20,000 people were on rent strike in Glasgow, and the protests were beginning to spread out across the UK. A factor in the Partick area made the exceptionally clever decision to prosecute some of his tenants who had refused to pay the rent increases. Thousands of people took to the streets, holding signs, screaming, Rent strikes, we're not removing. They weren't removing, but they were coming for the landlords. Within the month, the government had passed the Rent Restriction Act, which froze private rent rates at their pre-war level. It prevented a general strike, and ensured the production for the war effort overseas could continue at pace. It was a huge victory for the people, and opened the eyes of many to the power of peaceful protest and collective community action. After the war, with housing still scarce, landlords across the country again tried to raise rents, but further protest force more rent control, and in 1919, the Addison Act was passed, which introduced the idea of council houses. The Magnificent Barber inspired these people to fight for their rights, and the former carpet printer from Govan was instrumental in bringing the landlords to shame. She went on to be a vital part of the Women's Peace Crusade, a vocal group of anti-war suffragists calling for peace and an end to the First World War. By 1920, she was actively involved in the Labour Party and stood as a candidate in the Fairfield Ward. A pioneering group of five women were elected to the council, including Barber and Eleanor Stewart from Mary Hill, who became the first female labour councillors in the city. Barber's contribution to Glasgow was astonishing. Not only did she spend her 11 years on the council fighting tirelessly for the working people in her community. She also helped create the first family planning clinic in the city, the Women's Welfare and Advisory Clinic, working to raise funds for its team of women doctors and nurses. She left the council in 1931, but didn't give up her roles on committees for welfare and housing. Mary Barber was a force of nature, and later in life began organising trips to the seaside for the children of poor people in the city. She passed away on 2nd of April 1958 at the age of 83, and many of her achievements were glossed over until fairly recently, when her incredible work was the subject of renewed interest. In March 2018, a statue of Mary Barber was unveiled at Govan Cross just outside the subway station, a fitting testament to the woman who played a vital role in the lives of so many Glaswegians. You've been listening to Scotland. It was written and produced by me, Michael Park, and is a production from Be Quiet Media. The score for this episode was by the human stealth bomber, Mitch Bain. Find him online and get more great songs. Search for Mitch Bain Music on Facebook. This episode wouldn't have been possible without the amazing work of Dr. Katrina Burness. You can access more fantastic resources about Mary Barber online, at remembermarybarber.wordpress.com, you can find out more about Scotland on our website. This is Scotland.co, and get in touch with any feedback you have for us on Twitter at Be Quiet Media, or we're on Facebook if you search for Scotland Scottish History Podcast. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.